Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? We close the book on our same place opponents with the Washington Commanders. And then we move on to the AFC West. Welcome back to the show. Uh, our good friend Brian, Mr. Who himself from the Commanders Declassified podcast will be joining us here uh, in just a moment. And got to tell you, uh, like I'm, this is probably my, my favorite part of the, well, definitely my favorite part of the offseason. But one of my favorite things just to do, period, uh, are these opponent preview uh, episodes. I know that the, the feeling about them is kind of mixed where some of you love it and some of you are like, you just spent an hour talking about the commanders. Who cares? That's your opinion. Feel free to listen. Don't listen. That's up to you. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a polarizing series uh, that I do. Some of you guys really love it. Some of you like it. You're not talking about the bears. I don't want to hear it uh, kind of thing, but uh, I definitely love it. I always have, especially since I started doing this back in, in 2015. And, um, you know, having the meeting these people and, and um, you know, building this uh, this community of, of friends over the years now, eight seasons, number nine, actually, um, that I'm that I'm doing it is is always is what I look forward to, especially when we get to the end. And three of the people that I've been talking to since the beginning in Evan Western, Chris Gates and Jeremy Reisman, those guys were literally year one guests and they're the only people that I've ever had on the show for the Broncos, Lions and Vikings respectively. And then Lauren Cox is not far behind. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um I think the first time I had him on the show was 2016 and he's pretty much been the only Bears guest I've had on since then. So um yeah, so this is uh you know where I find and, and meet these people and there's always the new people every single year cuz uh Life changes and things like that. The person that I talked to the last time we played this team, uh, you know, isn't with, uh, isn't doing that anymore. They've moved on to this or that or the other and, and things like that. So it's kind of like playoff teams. There's always, you know, a handful of new playoff teams every single year. And, you know, even though I've talked to every team a couple of times over now, there's always some new faces and, and new names uh, when we do these uh, shows uh, every single year. But uh, Brian is a returning guest. We had him on last year when we played that super awesome Thursday night game uh, between the Bears and the Commanders where we featured those mega dope orange uniforms. And I, I know you guys, you know, like me, you love those uniforms and uh, can't wait to find out the helmet schedule for 2023 so we can find out when it is I'm going to be driving a spike through my goddamn eyes <laughs> and listen to the game on the radio rather than watch it because... Holy hell, they were ugly. Oh, my God. I just I hope we, we've moved on from that. Please, God, please do not do that to me again. So anyway, let's get to it and, uh, you know, close the book on our same place opponents and we can move on to the AFC West. And we start with the Denver Broncos there 
So, uh, yeah, let's get started. This is the, the final Same Place Opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Our third and final trip through our same place opponents takes us to our nation's capital in Washington, where the commanders hail, and uh, here to help us preview these 2023 Washington commanders from the Commanders Declassified podcast, our good friend Brian, Mr. Who himself. What's going on, man? Not too much, man. How are you? How have you been? You know what? I'm uh, struggling to get through what I like to refer to as the vast wasteland of the offseason, this little section <laughs> after, after the draft and you know before training camp where it's just literally, I mean, yeah, there's OTAs and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, right. but you, you can't see OTAs. You, you can't, you know, you can only go on like what, what reporters see if and when they're allowed into those workouts and, and, and whatnot, you know, yep. so it's, and it's all, it, there's no contact. It's all shirts and, 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 uh, you know, helmets and, uh, and whatnot. Nobody's hitting, uh, out there. So it's like, okay, so DJ Moore and Justin Fields are hooking up on a regular basis, but we'll see what happens when the pads go on and, and how that changes and, you know, what pass rushes might, you know, might get after it and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's just not, not a whole lot to get excited about this time of year. So that's why I do this and have exciting people like you on the show to preview uh, this season, you know, and look forward to, you know, what could be uh, in 2023. Exactly. So it's uh, this is why I do this in, in this time of uh, year. It's like perfect thing to get me through uh, to, you exactly. know, to July. It, for all of us, like hoping and wishing for the our teams to be better and what they could possibly look like, this is uh, this is the time for it to uh, to to start, right? Like, what 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 are we going to look like in OTAs? How is this going to look? But just like you said, it's all shirts and stuff uh, right now, so we we still got a long ways to go. Yeah. So let's talk about real quick. Let's go over twenty twenty two because. Um, this is such an odd year for you guys. I mean, it's kind of a you know sandwiched. Uh, you know, you you start with the with the win at home against the Jags, and yeah. then you go four straight. You lose to the Lions, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Titans, and then we were talking going into it. You were certain we were going to kill you guys. Oh yeah, um, going into that that Thursday night game, that classic on Thursday <laughs> night. That barn burner. Oh, yeah. my God. And uh, little did we know that that was going to be the first win on a, you know, where you win six out of seven starting yep. with us on Thursday. You beat us. You beat the Packers. You beat the Colts. All these very small, narrow wins, 12-7 over the Bears, 23-21 over the Packers. A miracle win over the Colts. Just kind of pulled one out there at the last second yeah. uh, on then. And a tight loss to the Vikings. Then you get revenge on the Eagles and and uh, knock them from the ranks of the unbeaten on Monday Night Football. Beat the Texans, beat the Falcons, and then before your bye week, you tie the Giants, and that's where it kind of goes sideways uh, yeah. on you guys. You have that tie with the Giants, and then afterwards, starting with the Giants after the bye, you play them back to back, which is just genius NFL scheduling right there. <laughs> Sunday Night Football, you come up short against the Giants. Then the, the 49ers were just a juggernaut at that time. 
Then you drop one to the Browns before capping it off with a win over the Cowboys to finish 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one on the year. But it's like you start with the – you go 1-4, then you go 6 out of 7, then you go, what, 1-3-1 and one in the last five games, which – before that, before that tie with the Giants, it was like, hey, all four teams from the East might make the playoffs this exactly. year. And exactly. And then, then that tie happens, and then it all goes downhill for the Commanders from there. But, you know, and even at 8-8-1, eight, eight and one, you end up finishing fourth in the division where everybody else literally made playoffs. Yeah, it, it was very much a Ron Rivera season, right? You start off slow, you start off sloppy, and then in the middle of the season, late in the season, he comes hard charging. Uh, there are a bunch of wins, come from behind wins, narrow victories, but it just doesn't quite have the staying power. And we saw that right at the end of the year, everything kind of fell apart. Uh, you know, again, unfortunately, it's uh, it's kind of a hallmark of uh, these Rivera's teams that we've seen here in Washington and and his last days in Carolina as well too. So didn't quite finish uh, how we wanted to. Uh, we started off slow. He got some momentum, but uh, kind of squandered it at the end. Yeah, I mean, it was it was such an interesting run that you guys you know you guys went on, and 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 honestly, kind of like the Lions, you didn't really see it coming because the Lions started one and six, and much like you guys, when we got yeah. we we got you catapulted on your your winning ways uh, by you know by by just. An absolute shit show on Thursday night football. Yeah, it was bad. It was, and it was bad. the you know the Lions beating us in Chicago, also in Chicago, that got them on that hot run that they went on uh, to finish the year. You you know you wouldn't think that a one in six team would all of a sudden almost make the playoffs. You know by the end of the uh, season, and with the way that the the first five games went for you guys, I mean the, the losses aside from that loss to the Titans which literally came down to the last play uh, of that game. You got, you know, smashed up by the Lions, smashed up by the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles was 24 to nothing at halftime. It was, it was not yeah, pretty. Yeah, it was bad. And then, you know, 25 to 10, the, the loss to the Cowboys. Like I said, you came down to the literal to the wire against the Titans on the last uh, play of the game. It's like, you know, it just you just didn't look like a team that was going to go on a six out of seven hot streak and put yourself back in the – the playoff picture by the way the first five weeks went yeah no not at all and a lot of that is due to the previous offensive coordinator scott turner scott mm. turner got his kind of his toy in carson wentz which was he wanted a big strong-armed quarterback who could throw the football unfortunately you know our offensive line you know at the time really wasn't designed to drop back 40 plus times and that's what we asked Carson to do like the first uh, five weeks of the season he was averaging 40 plus pass attempts and you saw what those teams did to us right the starting with the Lions um, they pressured us Carson got sacked or he threw interceptions and um, you know that was our offense and the team kind of basically crumbled uh, and and then you know once Carson got injured in that in, in that Bears game right yeah. he hurt his hand um, he had to go out and then Scott Turner was forced to kind of change the offense and go to a more run-centric, get the ball out a little bit faster as opposed to a lot of the five- and seven-step drops he was calling before with Carson. And that kind of revitalized us a little bit. We were able to score 
forward, not much. I mean, we're still averaging like 19 points a game, which is putrid in today's NFL where teams are routinely scoring 30-plus. But, you know, with the defense playing as well as they were, we were able to string together some wins, and we had a lot of life to us. And then that fell apart. Scott Turner got back to the kind of throwing the football a bunch, you know, with a backup quarterback in Taylor Heineke, and uh, things kind of fell apart. Yeah, I mean it's such an interesting run. I mean, you you had the the wins against the you know the 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 schedule did soften up for you a bit, you know, with uh, oh yeah, you know, it, with obviously starting with the Bears and and the Packers were at were having a bad year. You had the Colts in there, um, you, you know, that win from the Eagles was a thing of beauty. Though you just you know went out there and in Philadelphia, yeah. no, that was in. That was in Washington. It was in. It was Monday night in Philadelphia. In Philly, yeah, they they ran the football right down the Eagles' throats, and they made Jalen Hurts, you know, throw the football downfield and make tough uh, tough throws, and he, he wasn't able to. And uh, we we were able to get the get the win, and um, you know, kind of knock them. I don't think anybody wanted to see an undefeated Eagles season. That would not be good for any anybody. So uh, we, we we had to make sure we we, we got that one done. Yeah, and then you beat the the Texans and the Falcons before the tie game against the uh, Giants. So you had a softer schedule, and then you did what you're supposed to do when you play an inferior team. You beat them, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, yep. um, even though on paper the Bears looked to be the superior team going into that one, but it would, that was proven incorrect uh, in that <laughs> football game. And you know what, man? <laughs> I am so upset. I mean, we'll get to this later when we talk about the schedule at the end here. But, you know, you and I have been joking about it before we started recording. It's like, why the hell are we playing on Thursday night again? Exactly. I, I, I don't know why. I, I knew that we were playing each other. We were both the fourth-place finisher uh, in our division, so I knew that a rematch with the Commanders was coming. But to do it again on Thursday is like, what the hell is the NFL thinking? What are yeah. they thinking? You know, it's like if you could rank the, what, 14, 15 – uh, Thursday night matchups. Chicago and Washington is somewhere way at the bottom uh, exactly. of that power rankings. But yep, no, we're going to do it again, and almost the exact same time uh, of year. I think we're week seven instead of week six. Uh, you know, this year, and um, the, the the thing about it was such an odd game, man. It really was. It was like one of the last really solid performances we got out of our defense before. Poles traded uh, Roquan and, and and Robert Quinn uh, away. Yeah, Our your offense, defense. Yeah, you know, you you guys had Scott Turner's offense figured out, which yeah. you know is good, but also you know uh, everyone had Scott Turner's offense figured out at that uh, at that point in the year. But I mean, every everything we tried to do offensively that night, you guys had an answer for, especially in the run game. I mean, we yeah. we we tried to run it. But uh, you guys were just right there every step of the way. Yeah. So the problem was that when I when I talked about this game afterwards, um, the way it broke down to me was that aside from four plays in the game where the, the I was going to say Redskins, I still got to snap myself. We'll talk about that in a minute, too. <laughs> you and me both. You um, and me both. The commanders – made the plays when they had to. Aside from, like, those four plays, the Bears dominated the game as yeah, far as, like, watching it, you know, happen. It was, you know, the first one was um, whoever it was that caught the interception that ricocheted off of somebody's helmet. 
right there inside the red zone, the first of five unsuccessful red zone trips, uh, yeah. by the way. Um, there was another one where, you know, the, the Johnny on the spot who recovered Phelis Jones's uh, fumble, whereas like two plays later you guys ran it in for your one and only uh, yep. touchdown. Um, the Where you guys stuffed us on the goal line, that was all you on that one yeah. as far as like that was you guys made the play, period. And uh, your linebacker in particular because the fullback comes in and clears out the way, so it's like Herbert versus the linebacker and Herbert lost. That was all that happened there. And there was one other play that I'm – that I'm having trouble remembering right well, now. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll take the blame for the Herbert one because I think when we uh, when we recorded, I was professing my love for Khalil Herbert and how much I liked him in college and how good I thought he was. So I, I probably jinxed him uh, in uh, 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 during the game on that play. But, yeah. uh, you know, the, the thing on our show, you know, after that game, you know, that we talked about was it was it was Fields, right? Like if Fields had had taken a just a, a a few more completions if he was just a little bit further in his progression mm-hmm. he wipes the floor with us in that game because yeah. he he made a lot of good plays he was moving the team up and down uh, you know the red zone he kind of struggled but uh if he'd have made a couple of more plays he i think he, you guys would have blown us out that game so i think uh, I, i'm expecting big things from him this year yeah well i mean from your lips to god's ear my friend um you know, it's like every, everything that we're hearing is sounds fantastic as far as, you know, his grasp of the offense, how confident he sounds, the leader he's become. Now we've thrown in kind of like with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. Now we have our yeah. A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore uh, and everything, which is only going to enhance everything around him. Chase Claypool with a full offseason to get acclimated with the offense. Darna Mooney coming back healthy from the foot injury that cost him the back half of the season. Uh, and everything, there's a lot to get excited uh, about. Not to mention one of the big issues for the Bears in that game was your monster defensive line being completely up his ass the entire football game. (laughs) Aside from that one touchdown throw to, uh, I believe it was Pettis, uh, for the touchdown that we almost missed because they decided they were just going to run a replay uh, right when, when we snapped the ball. Uh, and everything, and you kind of by accident just got it back just in time for Pettis to catch it in the end zone uh, for the touchdown. But, you know, so many things that, that should have gone better that, sh- you know, not to mention the touchdown that that, that Fields floated over the tight end's head uh, in the end zone, just one missed opportunity after uh, another. It was just yeah. the most frustrating it, 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 game it, to watch, man. In watching that game, it was very clear, you know, Justin Fields was it was just on the cusp of having everything together. Mm-hmm. Like he was he was a, a second too late here. Maybe the throw was a little bit late here, but you could just tell he was he was there. He was close to getting uh, everything to fall his way. Yeah. And I mean, we were lucky for that because, uh, you know, it allowed us to, you know, win the game. But, uh, I think, I think after that game, I think, you know, is when, you know, things started to pick up for your guys' offense. Cause I remember watching some of these highlights yeah. of him running around, making plays, just unbelievable plays. And I was just like, wow, like we kind of set you guys off in the, uh, in that direction or, or at least to kind of, you know, uh, in his progression. So that was, uh, that was really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, it was um, like the first real test for Matt Eberflus because we had that mini-buy, you know, after the Thursday 
night game. Our next game was against the Patriots. And in his four years as head coach, Matt Nagy was notorious for either doing a whole lot of nothing or doing everything he could to make his team appear as unprepared as humanly possible <laughs> after a break. You know, oh, yeah. whether it was a, when it was a mini buy or the full blown, you know, buy and everything like yeah. that, you would think that they just met up the day before the game for how they looked, how flat they looked coming off of uh, the, you're supposed to be rested and refreshed and ready to go as opposed to, you know, uh, what the hell is going on here kind of thing. Yeah. And Eberflus goes into Foxborough on Monday night after that, you know, really bad loss to the commanders and just wipes the floor with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Like, yeah. where the hell was this? You and know, that's, that's something that you appreciate about good. Co- there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
coaches is uh, when they have adversity, like how do you respond? Because, yeah. you know, before Rivera, we had a long line of just, you know, underwhelming coaches and, and uh, to be honest, bad coaches. And just like you said, we would come off a bye week like we've never played football before. Like guys were missing the snap count, penalty, sloppy play. And it's yeah, like, wait, hey, yo, you guys – you guys yeah, we're supposed before? to be better. What's, what's and, going on? Uh, here? We look worse. Yeah. So, completely yeah. understand. I was like, you guys, you guys have all met each other before, right? What the hell's going on here? You know, it's, exactly. It's about you exactly. playing like you got eleven strangers on the field. So, yeah. but yeah. So I mean, it. But it was, it was a you know a heck of a thing for you guys because, like I said, it it it, it started this run uh, that you went on. You know, starting with us, then you beat the Packers, and then, like I said, the Colts was a. That 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 tight that last minute play at the at the end it was was it McLaren that caught the touch, touchdown? Yeah, it was basically like a, a big hail mary to uh, Terry McLaurin, and McLaurin. he out jumped uh, Stephon Gilmore, caught it, and then like um, landed right on the one yard line. I think we ran it in the next play. Yeah, yeah, and it was the extra point that put you over the top to win. Yep. that yep. one. Then you had the tight one against the 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 Vikings. Um, and yeah, we we would have won the game, but we had a defensive tackle, a rookie defensive tackle, line up over the center on field goal, I believe, and that was a penalty. They get an extra set of downs and score. So right. then you had the big win, probably the marquee win of the season with the Eagles on Monday uh, night in Philly. That one had to that one had to taste so good. Yeah, uh, especially with uh, – I don't know how you feel about Nick Sirianni. He he comes off as somebody who has won four Super Bowls, and it's like, well, no, you, you haven't won four Super Bowls. That attitude is not you know really earned that uh, he kind of displays well, sometimes. Know, so Sirianni. it was good to just shut him up for at least one night. Sirianni, it's, a, it's Italian, right? <laughs> Italians are known so. for, those, for their is. swagger, bro. So, you know, yeah. you had to yeah. see that one coming. Yeah, that's true. That's but, very um, true. So yeah, I mean, twenty twenty two in a nutshell, um, you know, an improvement upon twenty twenty one, but also you know a disappointing season for the way that uh, it was going. You know, the six out of seven, you had that tie with the Giants, and then you know you had the Giants again, the Browns, the Cowboys, and the Forty ers Not the the world's easiest schedule in the last four games, but definitely some winnable games, especially the rematch with New York. You had two weeks to get ready for that. And then, obviously, the Browns at home uh, and everything. So it was just like, okay, we win two out of the four. You'd be, you know, 10-6-1. That gets you in for sure. But uh, in the end, it, it, it goes flat in those, in those three games coming off the bye before the, the mercy win at the end when the Cowboys are getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very lackluster way to finish the year. You know, Ron Rivera famously had the line where he forgot that after the Browns lost that we could be eliminated from the playoffs. Um, you know, the offensive coordinator, the switching back and forth going from pulling Heineke and then putting Carson Wentz back into the game so he can throw four interceptions against the Browns. You know, it, it just a lot of bad decisions uh, down the half, uh, down that last uh, portion of the season really kind of sunk us and kind of put a you know left uh, left a very unsatisfied feeling in terms of what we could have accomplished sure so out goes uh scott turner and i'm pretty sure there was a parade uh for that oh, uh transaction uh, th- yes everybody loved that i mean that was a long time coming 
Uh, Rivera is very loyal to his people, coaches, players, uh, sometimes to a fault, and that was probably three years uh, too long for Scott Turner, unfortunately. Right. In comes Eric Bieniemy. Um, you know, fresh off a Super Bowl with uh, Kansas City, the second in three years uh, for for them, and uh, pr- you know, somebody that, based on his resume in Kansas City, should probably be a head coach somewhere right now. But uh, for one reason or another, I mean, he might have the same problem that I do. For some reason, the interview is where I, like, I, you know, I feel like everything's going well. And all of a sudden it's just like, well, he doesn't interview well or or whatever the situation uh, is. Or at least that's the rumblings that I've heard. Or at least, like, he's not blowing anybody away with, with his interviews or, like, the staff that he could put together. Not exactly blowing anybody's hair back kind of thing. And that's where it kind of falls apart for him but at the very least now he can prove that it's him and not Andy Reid and you know that that kind of thing in Kansas City like he can show that it wasn't just Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid that were making this exactly. happen I'm going to go to Washington you know and see if he can replicate the same you know I don't know if about the same level of success but to show that you know I can put together a a you know worthwhile uh, offense that can help uh, an organization win win uh, football games, and he also got a probably probably a pretty decent bag from Washington uh, as well uh, to come yeah. to town, along with that assistant head coach uh, title uh, as well. So, I mean, um, what have you heard so far about uh, the offense and how it's looking uh, with the enemy pulling the strings? Yeah. So, and 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 not not to backtrack, but you know, as you were saying about uh, Eric Bieniemy and kind of you know uh, him not interviewing well for head coaches, he's had several press conferences and you know press availabilities, interviews, and stuff like that here since he's got to Washington. And, and I'll be honest with you, he sounded great. He mm-hmm. sounded like a head coach. He sounded like somebody who's a clear communicator of what he's trying to achieve, very level-headed, not, um, you know, somebody who uh, has a lot of ideas, but maybe not a lot of experience. He sounds like he knows what he's doing. So I found that to be very interesting. Like, if, if he's interviewing like how he is in these interviews, he should be a head coach. But that aside... He has really taken charge of Washington and this offensive group. He has changed practice times. He's kind of changed the philosophy. Coaches are now coming in earlier to get prepared, um, and they're staying later to be more prepared on the offensive side of the football. And it's also forcing the defense to prepare better, to prepare harder, longer uh, as well, too. So he's having – uh, an overall effect, um, you know, a positive one on the offense, but also on the team as a whole by some of the things that he's put in place and some of the things that he's changed. And make no mistake, he's got full control of the offense. Like when we get to week one, it will be Eric Bieniemy's offense, right? The plays, uh, you know, he'll be the primary play caller. Um, you know, there, there'll be no Andy Reid. Ron Rivera is a defensive head coach, so there's going to be no mistake who this offense belongs to and i think another part of the, uh, the reason you know eric the enemy chose here and i i know some people will push back on this idea but you know there were talks of him going to baltimore and things like that well if if eric the enemy goes to baltimore and he has success with lamar jackson this is going to be the same problem well lamar jackson's already an mvp what did uh, eric the enemy do right but if he comes to washington and look I have no illusions about Sam Howell, um, you know, being the next Patrick Mahomes. That's not reasonable. That's crazy talk. 
But if he makes Sam Howell competent, you know, competitive, that's huge. Yeah. That that tells every NFL team out there, any NFL owner who's looking for their next head coach, hey, this guy took a 22-year-old quarterback, a fifth-round pick, and made him competent, made him competitive in these games, uh, made him functional. And I think that is going to be um, his biggest task, right? Can he make Sam Howell? Because Jacoby Brissett, hey, he's a great backup. But every team in the NFL knows what he is, and every team that he's been on has moved on from him. Right. And that's because he's a backup. He's not going to make enough plays to win you the game, but he also probably won't make enough plays to lose you the game. Um, and so really it's going to fall – you know, Eric Bieniemy will kind of tell the story of 2023 with by how well he can develop Sam Howell and utilize some of the receivers and running backs that we've got here. Or at the very least be able to put him in the best position to succeed. You know, exactly. like, you know, he yes. probably doesn't have all the same tools in his tool belt that Pat Mahomes does, Absolutely. but he really enhanced those that he did have, you know, he was, exactly. he was really good with the quick read. So we slanted the defenses to death. And the next thing you know, you know, we're leading the league in first downs or, you know, or something like that. And, um, you know, just um, being able to, to use what he's got and, and to help the team, you know, succeed regardless of the limitations it's like it's it's hiding the limitations and exactly the strengths is what uh is what good coaches uh good coaches do so if he can pull that off with sam howell and also god forbid hit the ground running with jacoby Brissett. if something happens with Howell, whether it's he's not living up to the to the hype or you know if something happens to him or if he gets injured or whatever and you know there's no fall off from sam howell to jacoby Brissett. that's going to say a lot as well um you know, exactly. for, uh, for the enemy. So exactly. And um, playing to his uh, player strength, I think will be huge because we've, we've had a lot of offensive coordinators who just wanted to run their system and not what the players do best. And I think that is really one of the big differences that we've seen. It's been a welcome difference is that uh, EB has really taken to finding out what these guys can do and then accentuating that. And then just like you said, hiding those limitations, hiding those weaknesses. Yeah. We had four years of that with uh, Nagy. Uh, in Chicago, the guy just absolutely refused to tailor the offense to what his team yep. did well. And um, that's why he's back to being an assistant in Kansas City as opposed to still being the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Exactly. I mean, my favorite example is a game against the Chargers in 2019. And um, the Bears ran like the power eye for that game. Right the Go right on. down uh, the Chargers' throat. David Montgomery, who was his rookie season, 155 yards, two touchdowns. You know, he just had a monster yeah. game. And in the press conference, and, and, and actually it was in response to the week before against the, the, the Saints, the Bears ran the ball seven times throughout the entire game. And what was really kind of Go a on. slap in the face about it was it was Walter Payton bobblehead day. Oh, geez. Possibly the greatest runner in the history of the game. We exactly. ran the ball seven times, five times in the first half. And the funny thing was that this was a game that was a one-score game till about midway through the third quarter. So there was no reason for Mitch Trubisky to be throwing 54 times in that game when, when, in what was a one-score game until deep into the contest. So his response to running the ball seven times in – the char- in the Saints game was to run the ball almost exclusively 
in the Chargers game. We got 155 yards out of our rookie uh, tailback and, you know, pretty much just ran the ball at will. And his famous saying at the end of that game was, I didn't come here to run the power eye. It's like, Man. you might want to rethink that, dude, because you kind of just ran the, you know, mopped the floor with the Chargers front seven running the football with a rookie exactly. tailback back there. You might want to rethink that. Like, now nah, we're, we're going to go back to, you know, just, I just basically it's like, I just want to show you we could run the ball. It's like, maybe we should <laughs> keep doing that. You dumbass. But hey, anyway. And, yeah. and one of the things uh, Eric Bieniemy has said since he's got here, he's like, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to win the game. If we've got to throw it 50 times, we'll do it. If we've got to run it 50 times, we'll do it. it whatever it takes to win the game, that's that's our goal. And that's the type of flexibility that I think you want in an offensive coordinator. And um, So, yeah, believe me, we, <laughs> we've we had our fill of that type of uh, offensive yeah. coordinator before. And, and that was the thing that was music to our to Bear fans' ears when, um, when Luke Getze – uh, was hired when Matt Eberflus came to town because that's all they talked about was a putting the best putting the team in the best spot to win and basically doing what they do best and tailoring what we do around that. So it's just like it's not we're not coming in with a set system and we're going to run this system and everybody needs to figure out how to fit into this system. It's like okay, here's what our guys do best, so that's what we're going to do. Kind of like the Patriots. You know, exactly. they, on a week to week basis, they figure out something to do. And, it, and it's based on not so much on what the Patriots do well, but what your opponent can't do. If they can't defend the run, Tom Brady might throw 12 passes in the game, you know, that kind of thing. But the Patriots are going to figure out a way to win uh, yep. and all that kind of stuff. And to hear our to hear our coaches talk about that after this stubborn idiot wouldn't, you know, just kept trying to, <laughs> you know, turn uh, Trubisky into Pat Mahomes and. Uh, and whatnot. It's just it was a breath of fresh air to hear him come in and be like, "Yeah, we're gonna tailor the offense to what they do well." So we're gonna be rolling out, uh, you know, Justin Fields moving the pocket, blah blah blah, this and that, yep. as opposed to trying to make him a drop back quarterback, which coming out of college was his weakness. Yep, and you saw exactly. what happened last year when they started moving the pocket and getting him running. He almost set the record for rushing yards in a season by a quarterback uh, last year. So. Yeah, so it's you know, and I'm sure it was you know a breath of fresh air for 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 you guys to to hear the enemy coming in and, and uh, saying that and, you know, especially for somebody who's in his spot where it's it now it's all on him. He can't uh, you know it can't uh, be credit can't be given to Andy Reid or or Pat Mahomes exactly. or anything like that. Everything falls on him, good or bad. So it's not like he's going to come in like this is the sword I'm going to die on right here. This is the hill I'm going to die on. No matter what, it's like, no, I want to come in and see what Sam Howell can do and, you know, what we can do coming out of the backfield. And, you know, obviously we have some very uh, dynamic receivers and everything that we're going to want to work with. We'll, 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 you know, throw it all in a mixing bowl and see what comes out uh, kind of thing as opposed to, okay, Kansas City East right here in Washington. That's what we're doing no matter what uh, kind of thing, which could just be the biggest disaster uh, in the world, so it's 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 good to see him actually. Almost, it's almost kind of humbling to to hear him come out and say that, as opposed to you know, I'm the I'm the genius that should be a, a head coach, and I'm going to prove yeah. that by what I do with this offense. Uh, yeah, no, you're exactly right. Like you know, if anybody has the you know kind of the reason or the um, 
the impetus to say, hey, look, I, I've accomplished a whole lot in my career. I should be able to run this offense however I want. It's probably Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. But he's not taking that approach. He's not bitter about not getting a head coaching job. He's not upset about having to, um, you know, uh, interview so many times. He may be, you know, internally or personally, but, uh, you know, everything that we've seen and heard from him, he's like, hey, look, uh, I, I'm here uh, for a new challenge. This is a uh, completely different. This isn't Kansas City. I'm here to help these guys get better, and we're going to do it however we can. And if uh, you know, if it's running, if it's passing, that's fine. But the goal is just going to be to win. We've got to be better um, in all areas and all all aspects on uh, on the offense. And we're going to find out what these guys do well. We're going to find out what they don't do well, and we're we're going to try to make sure we uh, accentuate what they do uh, really well and uh, win some games. And and that's that's all we want, right? You know, we'll see how that translates uh, come week one. But you know, that's that's all you can ask for at this point. So real quick, we go through uh, free agent uh, period. I think the biggest free agent signing was hanging on to one of your own, and in, in, in Deron Payne um, was disappointed to hear that because he was coming to Chicago. If you guys, me too, with the franchise tag uh, on him, but that's actually it, it's kind of a bittersweet uh, thing. It, it, it's bitter that he's not coming, but sweet that we're not paying him nineteen million or twenty million or whatever uh, yeah. a year. Um, it's like that, that part I could have done without, but that's what it would have cost to, to bring him in. But it's just like, you've, you put that stud in the middle of that line and all of a sudden we just got a whole lot better, uh, up front. Yeah. Uh, and And I, I would have loved to have traded him to you guys and have you guys paid him and we take, you know, whatever draft picks and, and build up our offensive line. But, uh, you know, Duran, Duran's a really good player. Um, you know, me personally, I'd prefer to have more edge rushers than internal, um, than interior rushers, but, uh, he's a really good player and he's a, he's a guy who can create pressure instantly off the snap and uh, he'll, he'll be a problem again for offenses, uh, this year. So I'm excited, uh, to see what him and Jonathan Allen can do. Yeah. You bring in Andrew Wiley from Kansas city, the offensive tackle, Jacoby Brissett off of his, um, you know, placeholding season in Cleveland while uh, Deshaun Watson was serving his uh, suspension. And anybody else that you guys signed that you're that you're excited about or you know happy to see in 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 Washington because it's not really a lot of household names outside of Wiley and Brissett and uh, keeping Deron Payne. Yeah, the only other guy that we signed who will probably have a big impact, positive or negative, is Cody Barton, middle linebacker from Seattle. He's a guy who'd kind of been a special teams player, then blossomed into a starter. Um, He's going to take over for our middle linebacker, Cole Holcomb, who actually went to the Steelers. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how he does. It'll be the first year in this system. Um, But like you said, outside of that and the guys that you mentioned, there really wasn't a whole lot of movement on free agency. I think, uh, you know, we we talk about on our show, the best free agent was Eric Bieniemy. I mean, if there was a weak spot, it was our offense. It was the coordinator. It was the quarterback position. So really giving, you know, somebody a little bit more competent in that offensive room um, was, was really the biggest free agency acquisition for us. As we go into the draft here, um, you guys picked at 16 in the first round and it was one of the first spots after like the top three, four picks or whatever, where quarterback became part of the conversation 
uh, again as far as like the one quarterback that hadn't been taken was Will Levis. He was still out there, and here come the commanders. Um, Heineke was already gone. He'd signed with the... Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. The, with the Falcons, uh, Sam Howell was next up on deck. I don't know if you guys signed Jacoby Brissett at that point or not, but you know Will Levis in some places was mocked at number four uh, to Indianapolis, and here he falls into your lap at 16. Instead, you go with Emmanuel Forbes, the corner out of Mississippi. Was there any thought or desire to have uh, Levis? How was the feeling when it was a corner, not a quarterback, coming off the board? So, it, you know, Rivera had made it pretty clear that they they weren't going to draft a quarterback in the first round. Now, a lot of fans, you know, wanted to draft a quarterback in the first round because, uh, you know, Sam is largely unproven, right? You know, one start um, doesn't tell you too much. So, um, but Rivera was pretty, he was pretty clear. Not, I think a lot of fans probably didn't pay attention to him, but he, he wasn't necessarily interested in drafting a rookie first round, uh, quarterback because, Hey, you know, the reality of this situation is, uh, the team is being sold and new ownerships coming in. Ron is, is essentially in an evaluation year. Mm. Um, unfortunately, and I don't know if he wanted a, uh, a rookie quarterback to be, um, you know, what his career will be decided on. And you know, a lot of people say, well, Sam is, you know, almost like a rookie right because he's um you know so inexperienced but you know he at least has that relationship and has scouted him for a couple of years and he's been in the nfl now for a year so yeah i think there was some interest in hendon hooker 
um, you know, in the third round, if he had made it that far, they uh, there, there was some interest from uh, Rivera and the team for that. But uh, the first round, they they weren't going to get Levis um, uh, at that point. Now, if a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud have s- some kind of craziness happen and they fell, you know, hey, all bets are off at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't think a, for a first round a quarterback was ever in the cards for us. Right. So you get the corner out of Mississippi State, and in the second round, another DB in, in uh, Jartavius Martin out of uh, Illinois, a safety. Third round, you go Ricky Stromberg, center out of Arkansas. Brayden Daniels, offensive tackle out of Utah in the fourth round. You're actually one of the few teams, and I don't know why I did this, but I literally wrote down every draft pick in a spiral notebook as I was watching the draft. <laughs> um, you're literally one of the only teams – that just had one pick per round, one through seven, as opposed to, you know, like um, like I just did the, the Cleveland Browns. Their first pick wasn't until the third round. They had two in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth, and a sixth. That was their seven picks. And, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Bears had ten picks, so that came out a little bit uh, differently and, and, and things like that. But it was just like to see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I was like, man, look at that. It's like they, they had a pick in each round, and they made one pick. Uh, in each round, didn't move up or down the board or anything like that, and you know came away with seven draft picks. It's like that's you know that's how that's how it's supposed to go. But in every other team that I've looked at so far, nothing could be further from the truth as far as how that all uh, laid out. What do you what are you thinking about your uh, draft class? So I think the draft class is, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, kind of uh, Rivera is very conservative. I think uh, you, you saw Rivera's influence. They went defense. I think, you know, Ron's in a, again, he's in an evaluation year, and I think he's going to go out with what he knows, which is defense. So you saw them go and get Forbes, a playmaking quarterback, somebody who's going to try to take the ball away, which we were, we were terrible at last year. I mean, you know, our defense was pretty good, but we were not good at taking the football away at all. Um, so I know they, that was a big emphasis for them. And then uh, Jatavius Martin from Illinois. Illinois had like four defensive backs or something like that get drafted. I think uh, we signed another defensive back out of their backfield as an undrafted free agent as well, too. Um, you know, they wanted more pieces in the back end to match up with all of the wide receivers and passing that uh, you see in today's NFL. And I think that was, uh, that was a big emphasis for them. And they also got a pass rusher later on, KJ and uh, KJ Henry, mm-hmm. who is very athletic. He has a lot of tools and a lot of traits. Um, kind of was overlooked by some of the other Clemson players that went higher than him in the draft. So, um, especially with both of our defensive ends who are on the last year of their contracts, we we declined Chase Young's uh, fifth year option. Montez Sweat is on his fifth year option. So they're uh, you know they're big things that uh, they need from these defensive ends, and I think they wanted to beef up the pass rush so that was good to see I wish we would have taken more offensive linemen um, and higher in the draft uh, you know selecting a, a center in the third round while great I like Ricky Stromberg I, I think we passed up a, a guy in the second round who could have been a starter day one starter that would have been great for us but um, uh, overall uh, very you know just very kind of average very kind of uh, ordinary draft for Ron Rivera almost kind of by the numbers like oh we're, we've got uh, gaps here okay quarterback um, with we need an offensive lineman. Here's the center in the third round. So uh, very, very, very underwhelming, but uh, very ordinary. Sure, sure. So we move on to the schedule, 
And um, let's see, you have the you have the NFC West and the AFC East. Yeah, NFC yep. West, yep. AFC East on on Slate, and then fourth place finishers: Arizona, Chicago, and who's your AFC team? That I'm not sure. Uh, not Buffalo. Let me see, New England. Dallas, Miami. It's Denver. It's Denver. There they are, the Broncos. Um, so, yeah, the first two games, home for Arizona at Denver, home for the Bills at Philly um, for the first month of the season. Oh, and I was wrong. I thought we played week seven. We play week five. Uh, oh, week earlier. Five, okay. Week five. We play earlier. Um. On Thursday night football. Well, by that time, hopefully we'll see, you know, uh, what our offense looks like and what your guys' uh, offense looks like, if it's any different from last year. You know uh, what, where those were probably the weak points for our teams. At the very least, I hope we get the polar opposite of last year's game, where it was a 12-7 to 7 stinker throughout. I hope the goddamn score is 45-41 to 41 or something just yes. insane. Like, your offense can't stop scoring. We It's going to be a game of Madden where whoever has the ball last wins uh, kind of thing. I would root for that a thousand times over what we got on Thursday night last year and why the NFL thought this was a good idea to run it back uh, again. I You'll never be able to convince me, even even with like, oh, well, Chicago and Washington, those are two big you know TV audiences. Like, whatever. How about the game <laughs> that they played? And what a what a travesty it was! Why would you want to do that again on national TV? The only game on TV, as a matter of fact, it's the prime time only game in town, literally. And you you know we saw what we got last time. Why not just bury this one on noon on Sunday or something like that, as opposed to putting it up front on Thursday night? It's like no, exactly. No, like, and hopefully, that. hopefully, all the investments and resources you guys put into your offense uh, during the off season. And then hopefully Eric the enemy uh, for us on our offense it is enough that we get something on that Thursday night game. Just like you said, if we could get something 38, 36, mm-hmm. uh, that would be great. I yeah. want to see the ball flying all over the place. I want to see yards. I want to see points uh, because these two teams, you know, they, they were so bad offense uh, the last time that we played. We, we, we need we, we need to see the opposite uh, this, uh, this time around. Yeah, it can't get much worse when the winning quarterback threw for less than 100 yards uh, in that game. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that was and, pretty and bad. did so with a broken thumb for, like, most of the second half, so – uh yeah, what a disaster. So and and Carson's best play was probably the block that he threw on that uh Brian Robinson run down by the goal line. That was probably his best play. That's that's not good <laughs> if your quarterback is uh throwing blocks out there. Right. So, uh week 5 with uh you know, with us on Thursday night and after your uh mini bye, you're at Atlanta at the Giants home for Philly at New England for the next 4 or 5 uh, games and uh, get that, that stretch there after the bear game, you got four out of five on the road at Atlanta, at the Giants, home for Philly, at New England, at Seattle. So, yeah. a lot of unfriendly places Foxborough and Seattle back to back, not exactly the friendliest places to uh, to be a road team 
in. And uh, now having to go across country, you know, on a, as an East Coast team going over to a West Coast team is never uh, is never fun. So that uh, they're, they're going to have a lot of things working against them trying to head to uh, Seattle and play the uh, play there. Right. Um, so then after Seattle home for the Giants at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, I will never understand the NFL's. Uh, you know wh- why it is that they just they just love the divisional matchups on Thanksgiving. I, I for the Cowboys, it almost every year Cowboys yep. Giants, Cowboys Eagles, Cowboys, uh, you know Commanders. It's like it's obvious that there's a television audience when the Cowboys are playing. Why waste it on a divisional matchup? Why not bring exactly. in and bring in somebody else? Is like no disrespect to Washington. It's just. You know, divisional matchups are boring, and but it, you know it's just, especially on a national TV scale, and uh, you know it's like I just I just don't understand why every every year it's Cowboys Giants, Cowboys Eagles, Cowboys Commanders, and come on. So, but then yeah, you, you, uh, on on a holiday like that, you, you want something that's a, a little bit different. Maybe if it was Cowboys Chargers, some you know yeah. non traditional matchup yeah. that uh, a lot of people haven't seen maybe in a few years. That that's what you want. You want to you want something a little bit different as opposed to all right, it's just a classic NFC East game. Yeah, and and I mean, even I think even the, the Detroit game is the Packers this year. So another. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. Division game. It's like it just what? Stop that! It's a holiday. You know, throw us something spicy. Like a couple years ago, the Lions played the Texans. Uh, you know, on Thanksgiving or you know or something like that. I think one year, um, the the that was the Raiders or something that that went to Dallas to play the Cowboys. It's like yeah, let's let's see that. You know, kind of thing. So absolutely. But uh, anyway, after the Cowboys, you have the Dolphins at home and then finally, same as the Bears, week 14 by I think we're 13 actually. But another late season uh, by when was the bye last year for you guys? We had the bye. Yeah, I want to say 14, it was actually. pretty late yeah, because we had 14. it right after the Giants. Yeah. Uh, we played the Giants bye and then we played the Giants again. Right. So it was week 14. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. same schedule again this year, but then after the bye week, two road games. You're doing the East Coast West Coast uh, road trip again at Los Angeles, at the Jets, and yep. then home for San Francisco. I don't know what it is about playing San Francisco Week 17 again, but uh, then you got the Cowboys again to finish out the uh, to finish out the year. So. Um, yeah, yeah, we certainly have an, uh, you know, a much tougher schedule this time around. We've got some better quarterbacks that our defense is going to be facing. So we, you know, this uh, Ron has his work cut out for him this year, right? In a in a big year for him, um, there's a there's a lot to prove, and the uh, the competition's a lot better this this time around. Well, the good thing is that uh, you're in the NFC East which despite how good the Eagles were last year and how good they still appear to be, this is a division that has declared a different champion pretty much every year since 2004. So that's very true. That is a pattern that still holds. So you can't (laughs) rule out the possibility that the enemy just lights a fire under you guys and you have a top shelf offense and you win the East again. 
Uh, so you're telling like, me there's a chance. I'm telling you there's a chance, bro. <laughs> Just like I'm I'll hearing the it. same thing for the Bears. Aaron Rodgers is out of town. I'm already hearing That's Jordan it. Love is stinking up the place. Everybody forgets that the Lions are still the Lions. So That's you right. cannot, even though on paper, they're the class of the division because Minnesota appears to be, you know, selling off assets uh, and everything. <sighs> it's not going to be a crazy idea for the Bears to win the division uh this season it's like the no you know, i i can completely see that because i'm not a dan campbell believer at all like the whole right? kneecap stuff i i think is just uh is just bluster i think the real coach there is their offensive coordinator ben johnson mm-hmm. um he, he's he's done some really nice things with uh golf but outside of that i i don't really believe in the the lions at all and what they're doing so uh absolutely i could see you guys taking it yeah i mean i'm just saying like historically you know just to kind of, uh, you know, to kind of put it into an odd perspective, but the Lions are like the Bears in the way that we're not exactly historically that good at stringing successful seasons together. So, yeah. you know, like our last good one was 2018. We went 12-4. and four. And since then we won eight games, eight games, six games, six games, three games. So, yeah, yeah. we'll, uh, you know, and then the Lions are the Lions. And... They're still the Lions unless they prove us prove otherwise this year. You know they went nine and eight uh, last year, which is their best year in, in since they fired um, Jim Caldwell. Yeah, you know because Matt Patricia was an unmitigated disaster. He um, was terrible. Him. He yep. was god awful. And you know Campbell took his lumps. Uh, you know last year as or in twenty twenty one as the in his first year and really seemed to turn things around. You know got the guys buying into the program and everything when we'll see what happens in 2023 but history says they're going to fall flat because they don't string two good years together uh, right and they're not in you know their history does not say that they'll do that now maybe these are the newfound lions and god bless them if they are but history says otherwise so that's why this the nfc north appears to be a wide open division and like we just talked about a moment ago the NFC East is a carousel as far as who wins and who doesn't. So, yeah. you know, who knows what's going to happen there. Maybe the Cowboys figure it out again or or whatever. But the thing that is least likely to happen as far as the history of that division is concerned is that the Eagles win it again. That's probably the lowest on the probability scale just based on no one's done it since the Eagles did it in 2003, 2004. Every year since 2005, new division champ. And we're talking almost 20 years now. Uh, with that so exactly yeah so I mean you you can't exactly write off the possibility of the fourth place Washington commanders winning the division because a you guys did it before and it's happened every single year for the last 19 seasons that somebody wins the division that didn't win it last year so we'll uh we'll uh we'll we'll keep an eye on uh division see if the uh the theory holds and uh, we're looking at a new division champ uh, out there in the East Division uh, this year. So, so real quick, um, before we uh, bid you adieu, um, the Chase Young situation. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Are you, are you discouraged by the fact that they didn't pick up his option? Do you think they were doing it as more of a, a mental thing to make sure that he does show up this year? Because now basically this is a free agent year. For him, he's yep. playing for his his future career uh, in the NFL. 
It was like, I've, you know, obviously we as Bear fans were, you know, there were some rumblings about maybe trading for Young, yeah, maybe I Washington's looking to offload him. And I think uh, you even responded to my tweet where I was saying, I think the whole talk of Chase Young come, you know, like us trading for Young is premature. Like I just, I, it's, you know, I think we're in the same boat with Washington as far as like they're playing the plan. They're erring on the side of caution. We're, we're yeah. going to play yeah. out that fourth year. We're not going to pick up the fifth year option just yet. If he comes out and is the Chase Young that just took the league by storm uh, when he came in, and then great, we will happily open up our coffers and, and pay him to keep him around. Otherwise, you know, it's a no harm, no foul. He he goes to find brand new scenery uh, next year, probably at a discounted price for whoever decides to pick him up. I would much rather do that. Either use the cap space that we're going to have to pay him to bring him in when he's a free agent or, you know, us be that change of scenery that he needs if he doesn't exactly blow up the world, uh, you know, coming into this uh, coming into this season. I mean, that, those were my thoughts on Chase Young, and they haven't changed despite Ryan Poles going on Chicago sports radio and talking about possibly trading for a pass rusher. Yeah, and, and and my thoughts about Chase Young, you know, one, I think it's very clear the team doesn't believe that uh, they're getting the best out of him, right, which is why they, they declined that option. They want to see more from him, more dedication to be great. Uh, and now, obviously, he did have an injury that kind of sidelined him for essentially kind of two seasons, right, uh, part, of, part of one and then part of another. Um, but outside of that, though, when he's been healthy, the, the sack production just hasn't been there. And, you know, has he been good against the run? Sure, but you don't draft the defensive end number two overall to be good against the run. You draft them to sack the quarterback, make impact plays, not be a good run stopper. And unfortunately, you know, um, him not producing, then getting injured for a while. It's kind of almost a Chase Young exhaustion here with, uh, I think, the the coaching staff, uh, the fan base, because we keep hearing his name, we keep hearing his name, and there's no sacks or there's no big plays behind it, right? It's just, uh, oh, well, he's coming back from injury or he didn't get a sack here. So uh, they're very much in the, we, we need you to show it. We need you to show it. And they did that with Deron Payne, right? He really hadn't performed like a first-round quarterback in the contract year, all of a sudden, 11 and a half sacks, and then he gets it, right? And um, same thing with Montez Sweat, too, right? He's in the he's in the last year of his deal, which uh, I, I don't know if it's mismanagement, but I don't know how you have both your starting defensive ends in the last year of their deal um, like that. So, you know, if, if Ron was going to trade him, they should have done it before last season, or they should have done it earlier. I think now at this point, I don't really think there's any kind of chance for any type of trade or anything like that. I think... Uh, Rivera is very much hoping that the light bulb goes on for Chase Young and he puts it together and has the monster season that we all think that he should have as a former number two overall pick. So I'm I'm still waiting to uh, to see it. You know, he had a good rookie year. He he was rookie defensive rookie of the year, and it was a good year. Uh, it wasn't great. Uh, and then that second year, he had one and a half sacks in ten games. I mean, that's that's not good enough. Right. And then he got hurt, and then we hadn't seen him until a couple of games last year. And again, you know, um, no sacks to speak of, and um, you know, uh, good against the run. Uh, you know, if, if he was a fifth round pick, that would be great. 
but for number two overall, you more is uh, expected of you. So this is a big year for him to see, uh, you know, he didn't come to uh, OTAs. OTAs is voluntary, of course. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was all kinds of people talking about that. He should be here. He shouldn't, you know, again, it's voluntary. He doesn't have to be there. But, uh, um, you know, one of the things that this team wanted was more commitment from him. So uh, we'll see what happens when uh, minicamp starts. Uh, and I think that's mandatory. So we'll see how that goes and how he looks at Right. And then finally, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. Dan Schneider has sold the team, so he's no longer beholden to the Washington faithful after, what, 20-something seasons as the owner? Yeah, it's 25, yeah. 25, yeah. And, um, you know, so he's gone and all of his drama goes with him uh, kind of thing. Obviously, there's still going to be a cloud casted over the commanders and the organization for that, but he's gone, so the healing can finally begin i mean he was long regarded as one of the worst owners in football if not in sports period and now he's finally gone you've got this ownership team so there's not just one person sitting at the head of the of the table uh or anything like that and you know the future is a new and if you're not in love with the commander's name their patent or their uh, copyright for the commander's name was denied so they might have to change their name again to something something else which honestly i would be a fan of um but yeah. you know thoughts on on all of that no daniel schneider he's gone so clean slate going forward uh for the organization or a fresh start at the very least and the possibility that you guys might be getting your what fourth name in the last five years or something <laughs> like that right. so the yeah first off getting rid of daniel schneider is you know, I, I said Eric Bieniemy was the best offseason move. Uh, I was wrong. It's getting rid of Daniel Snyder. I mean, when you have a plague, a cancer on your team that is constantly um, doing everything in its power to embarrass you, to hold you back, to make bad decisions, you've got to get rid of that presence. And because he was the owner, we really had no way to do that. We were just kind of stuck with him. And what happens at that point is – any thoughts of ever going to a Super Bowl, getting a franchise quarterback, getting to an NFC championship game, that's all out the window when you have Daniel Snyder as owner because you know you're never going to get there. He's never going to hire the right people. He's never going to draft the right person. And the, the next scandal is 10 minutes around the corner. And yeah. we are no strangers to scandals here in Washington with this football team. Uh, and out once he's gone, that goes with him. Now, whatever bad reputation, you know, people can talk about it, but it'll be gone because it all stemmed from one guy, and that was Daniel Snyder. Now, that doesn't guarantee that we start winning, but it certainly means that we have the possibility of winning. It means that we have the possibility of doing the right things, picking the right people, moving forward. So that's awesome. That's great, and I'm so excited him to be gone and he lives in England now so he's their problem let him screw up one of the soccer teams over there uh, because those fans won't put up with that if uh, he messes up one of their football teams Um, so let him stay over there and um, as far as the name goes uh, I mean that that just 
speaks to how much more incompetence Daniel Snyder has. How do you uh, rename the team and you your patent wasn't approved then? How why was that not taken care of? So that's just uh, the last of his ridiculousness. If if we can somehow change the name again or read it, that would be great because I, I you know I'm not not really a fan of the commander's name. There's no there's no kind of nickname to be called right. You call them the commies or the manders or like I mean it's just silly. Um. So if if that can happen, um, that would be great. But I know that new ownership, they're going to have a lot of things to do. They need a new stadium. They're going to have to find a new, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm working under the assumption that they're going to clean house. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of Ron, and Ron brought a lot of discipline, accountability, integrity to the team during a ridiculous, turbulent time in, in the franchise's history. He's had to put up with a lot. And um, he he should be commended for that. But I just think if you're going to move on from, you know, kind of Daniel Snyder and everything that he's touched, you're going to have to clean house, unfortunately. And so they're, they're going to have so many things they're going to have to do. Uh, they're going to have to rebuild the fan base, right? The fan base has dwindled down to just, you know, kind of some of the diehards and some of the older fans, right? There's not a lot of young fans in, in Washington. So that's something they're going to have to work at. So there's a lot, and I don't know where the new name is going to rank on that. I know for fans, it's going to rank as, you know, one or two, right, uh, for us. But for a new ownership group, I think they're probably going to look at that and say this is a little bit lower down the list. Uh, but, hey, it's a possibility, just like you said, the trademark got uh, taken away or denied. So we'll see how that goes and if uh, if it does get approved later on or, or what happens with that and where that'll go. But, uh, hey, Daniel Snyder's out, so um, all bets are off. Like, uh, I'm, you know, anything is possible right now. Yeah, I'm still pounding the table for Red Wolves, by the way. That oh, was... that that would be ideal. I don't know why. I know there's like a college team that has Red – I think it's Arkansas State that are called the Red Wolves. But I'm like, yeah, that, so what? We pay them the money and let's be called the Red Wolves. That makes too much sense. Yeah. Yeah, they're just uh, – I mean, it's it's just a cool name plus the logo possibilities uh, and everything. Exactly. It's, it's, it could be a thing of beauty. So it just um, – yeah, got to go. With red, was I wasn't crazy about red tails, but I understand the historical significance uh, of it and, and and everything. It's just like the list of names that came out. Red wolves was the one that kind of jumped out uh, to me, or like um, I don't think it was red hogs or something, but it had something to do with you know, like leaning into the the hogs being you know the old offensive line nickname and yeah uh, things like that that you know somehow incorporating that into the new into the new name. Or whatever, but it's like when when commanders came out, it's like I, I don't I don't hate it, but I I I, I don't love it. I, I don't. It just uh, yeah. And then uh, when the uniforms came out, I'm like, oh no, man. It's like you know what? <laughs> like one of my favorite uniforms was the old Redskin uniform, the white top, the the the, the burgundy the, bottom. the burgundy bottoms. You know yep. that was as classic as it got. I mean, they wore that at home. You know, yep. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's kind of like with the Cowboys that wear white at home because it's just a better-looking uh, uniform. I was always a fan, especially in the early 90s with those Mark Rippin teams and uh, and everything, the white tops, the burgundy bottoms, the yellow and white stripe down the side and uh, and everything. It's like it's just a classic, classic uniform. And, you know, they, they, they messed with the, with, the, with the burgundy. They made it darker, and they put more orange in, in the yellow and with the, with the W and stuff like that, and that boring stenciled W logo on the side. It's like, I'm a uniform snob, man, so all of this stuff is like kryptonite 
uh, to me. Oh yeah. Like, well, and the the black alternate uniform. It, I mean, it looks like an offshoot of the Steelers uniform. Yeah. Yeah. It just. Um, it, yeah. It, everything needs to be fixed. I, I I hope it does get fixed. The uniforms and the name, but I just I I don't know how high on the list of things it will be for <laughs> this new ownership group when they step in day one. They're going to have their hands full because the franchise has been you know essentially run into the ground by Snyder. So right. there's so much decay that they've got to kind of dig through and rebuild uh, that uh, it, you know the name may get just pushed down the list I don't know man if magic is part of that uh, part of that ownership group he you know from Showtime LA yeah. it might be you know high up on the board but like yeah we got to do something about this commander's thing and like you said <laughs> it's like so. there's no I... there's no nickname with Redskins you got the skins you know or exactly. even the hogs or whatever it's just like yeah we got to come up with something like you said the commies like that's yeah. awful that yeah, there, there's no nickname. There's no nickname for that. And yeah. it's like, you know, what do you what do you do with that? You know, even with, uh, you know, the Washington football team, they just said football team. And, it, you know, I had my issues with that. But I mean, I, we, commies. You, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> or the Mandy's or something. It's like, come on. What are yeah, we doing? Mandos. Yeah, yeah, it just it, it makes so. no sense at all. So um, but hey, Snyder's gone. So all of that stuff is possible now to be fixed. So yeah, exactly. uh, that's uh, that's what I'm thankful for. It's a new day there's you know hope is real in washington now so absolutely move forward from there so brian man thanks so much uh for coming back on it's always a great time uh having you on looking forward to and the other thing is man for the second year in a row they're kind of painting us into a corner where it's like we got to get on previewing next week's game like right now uh (laughs) you know after the after the week four games on sunday it's like week five starts in three days so get to it uh, already. So we got to figure out a schedule to, you know, get you back on the show to to prep for uh, week five, where where I'm sure that you know when we talk a few months from now to preview that game, we'll still be crossing our fingers that we do not get a repeat of last year's Thursday night debacle. So, no, uh, no, we 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 definitely want a lot more points and a lot more yards uh, yeah, this time around for sure. So uh, let the people know out there what uh, you know where we can find you online, where we can find the show, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, Commander's Declassified Podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts uh, from. Uh, the website is commanders247.com, Commander's Declassified on uh, YouTube. And you can check me out at, at Mr. Who with two O's, one on Twitter. And thank you. I appreciate you bringing me on. It's always fun to uh, chop it up with you. And uh, I hope for both of our teams' sake, we all get off to. Uh, a fast start this season. Yeah, I want to see two four and teams uh, banging heads on week five's uh, Thursday night. How nice would that be? Yeah, instead of what two and three versus one and four. <laughs> like, no, yeah, exactly. I'll pass on exactly. that. I'll pass on on the three combined wins out of the teams going into their sixth game of the season. So, same here, Brian. Thanks so much, man. All right, thank you, man. Take care. As always, want to thank Brian uh, for coming on to the show. Looking forward to having him back on prior to week five. Um, so we play sooner, uh, just a week or so earlier than we did uh, last year. And I also want to send out a special shout-out to Garnett 
Allen, a.k.a. Gigi, Ryan's mother-in-law. And uh, she's a Bears fan, said that when he told her last year that he was coming on the show, she's been listening. So I appreciate, Gigi, you listening. And I hope you enjoy the interview with your son-in-law. And uh, I hope I'm remembering that right, that he is, your, in fact, your son-in-law. And, uh, you know, because I wrote down the name, but I did not write down mother-in-law or anything like that. I wrote down Garnett, quote, Gigi Allen. And so shout out. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everybody else who's listened and has listened for years to all my OGs out there, like Tim Sanchez and Eric McCubin and, and all the rest of you guys. Um, you know, you, you, this is why I do it. I do it because I know people are out there listening, even though it's not a lot of you. Those that do have always listened, and, and you've, you've stuck with me through thick and thin, including the, the, the thick and thin that was my, uh, my issue at the end of last season. So, um, you know, glad to be healthy, glad to be back and, and doing this uh, again. And, uh, you know, looking forward. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We close the book on our same place opponents. We now move on to the AFC West. We begin with the Denver Broncos. And one of my OG guests, one of the very first people I had on the show, Lori Lattimore Volkman from SB Nation's Mile High Report, will be on to uh, preview the 2023 Broncos. But more interestingly, talk about the disaster that was 2022. You know, the promise of Nathaniel Hackett, who was, you know, lauded as one of the more, is one of the up-and-coming offensive minds in the league, making that King's ransom trade for Russell Wilson, giving him the bag of, you know, 40 plus million uh, a season and God knows how much guaranteed and everything only for it to go as badly as it possibly could have where Nathaniel Hackett didn't even finish the season, didn't finish his one and only season as head coach of the Broncos. They've already moved on. They bring in Sean Payton to kind of right the ship and see where we go from there. So I'm sure we'll talk plenty about 2022 and the disaster that was before moving on to uh, 2023 and hopefully an optimistic future for Lori and the Broncos. But that will be on Thursday when uh, when we have Lori on to talk about the Broncos. Then we move on to the to the Raiders, the Chargers, and Chiefs before uh, the NFC South shows to close out the our our division uh, uh, you know rotation the p- opponents and then closing out with the NFC North and our brethren in the division there so come on back on thursday as we kick off the afc west with the broncos and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground